Welcome to the Legends of Oral Regeneration by the Osteology Foundation. One host, one guest, and a whole bunch of experience and expertise. Meet the people behind the names and get unique insights. Welcome to this podcast today. Uh, I'm Chris Dalin, and I'm the pre Vice President of Osteology Foundation. We are very happy today to have the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation and a discussion with Professor Massimo Simeon. Massimo is an honorary board member and part of the founding group of the Osteology Foundation. And furthermore, he has had a very long and successful career. Currently, he is serving as professor and chairman at the Department of Periodontology at the University of Milan. And in parallel, he is also maintaining a successful institute where he treats patients, commits to both training of colleagues as well as research. As you know, he has served in many societies, for example, being the president of European Academy of Osseointegration. Uh, I believe that Massimo has been instrumental in the development of guided bone regeneration and especially in the treatment of uh, more advanced cases. I've been fortunate to know Massimo for almost 30 years. So again, it is a privilege to welcome you to this session, Massimo. Thank you, Christer. It's a great pleasure for me to be here and, uh, and talk with you about uh, what we have done and what we are going to do in the future. Absolutely. <clears throat> and before we move into the future, actually, I would like to go back, uh, way back in history, actually, because uh, uh, I'm a little bit curious um, in the beginning, why dentistry, Massimo? Uh, how come that you ended up in this field? Well, uh, in the beginning, I, <laughs> I wanted to do, to be like a, um, a heart surgeon, like a, a yeah. heart surgeon. And then uh, uh, I attended for uh, about a year in the, in the hospital in Italy, but I really didn't uh, like the the environment, you know, the mood, uh, the kind of people the, the, was, I, so I didn't appreciate that. Mm. And so the second choice was uh, to, to follow my father, because mm. my father, my mother and my sister, mm. they were dentists and they had a big office. And mm. so uh, then I decided to, to follow the example of my parents. Mm. And uh, Immediately, I became very, you know, uh, enthusiastic and had a lot of passion about the work because it's, you know, it's very, you know, handly. You can use your hands. You can uh, also have uh, the fantasy to to do something you want to do by yourself without all the problems that you have in a kind of a, you know, public or hospital environment. Mm. That <clears throat> that sounds. Uh, thank you for sharing that, Massimo. I also know that uh, you, for all, all through your throughout your career, you, you also have maintained a lot of interest. And I'm just curious in your your early years. Um, uh, I know that you have a have a deep passion for photography, for instance. Uh, mm -hmm. 
Uh, was that something that you uh, considered almost as a profession uh, in parallel or had this been kind of a, I would call it an advanced hobby? <laughs> yeah. yeah, in the beginning, when I was at the University uh, of, uh, of Medicine, I was uh, almost working uh, as a uh, professionist uh, for uh, nature and underwater photography. Mm-hmm. And um, but then when I and that was also for the first five years or six years of my dental uh, career, but then uh, you know the also integration um, happened, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I think I was lucky in my career because when I was very young, so I in the beginning of the. 80s, mm-hmm. I had, uh, you know, the opportunity to be one of the first in Italy to to be in contact with mm-hmm. Professor Bronemark and to mm-hmm. learn also integration. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then after a few years, I was so lucky to, to meet the concepts of guided bone regeneration. So mm-hmm. I had two very important events mm-hmm. that uh, happened in my career when I was uh, uh, very young or quite young and uh, and then they changed completely my my way of, uh, of working and thinking so I I had to transform you know my also my uh, hobby or my profession as a photographer mm. <laughs> into something you know much more easy and and light and uh, so I dedicated much more time and uh, effort in, in dentistry and in implant dentistry. And then I left uh, photography and adventures under the water just mm. as a, an advanced hobby. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think you would have done very well in that profes- uh, profession as well and, and being mm. successful. I, I know that you have a very impressive publications list but what people may not be aware of that is that uh, you have at least as i'm aware you have actually two two publications in national geographic with some fantastic photos which for me is extremely cool (laughs) yeah when i when i was 26 years old i i was uh, uh, one of the two people in the world that uh, took pictures of hippos under the water and mm. the hippos are the most dangerous animals uh, yeah. in the world so that made me really we- well known in the in the environment of uh, of nature photography mm. yeah we we've seen that uh, coming back to uh, gbr uh, massimo what was actually your first contact with gbr uh, was that uh, through some um, some symposia or anything how did how did you get uh, in touch with that topic um, i remember i attended a course on about gtr guided mm. tissue regeneration in the periodontal field with Lure um, Neiman mm-hmm. many, many years ago. I was really a, a very young doctor uh, and uh, I was really enthusiastic about uh, the concept, the results. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
and that was also the beginning of of my knowledge about uh, also integration so immediately i said we should combine that mm -hmm. and then i started to think to use the, the periodontal membranes around implants but then reading the literature i saw some a couple of, uh, of articles from uh, a man named Christer Dalin, <laughs> mm. who had this yeah. idea, <laughs> this opportunity before me, mm. <laughs> and then, and then being mainly in contact with the people from Gore, Jeannie mm. uh, and Brewster, Nancy Wheatley, and the other friends, I I started to. Uh, to produce uh, clinical cases and I had uh, their support. And then also I had the support from uh, Ron Nevins who mm. saw my clinical cases the, in the very early uh, days and uh, started to invite me in the United States to, to give lectures and so everything started from, from that. And then Gore, as you know, involved me together with you also in mm. some very uh, important research in in, in Flagstaff. Mm. It's something that uh, when you discuss with people which had had a long and, and also very successful career, uh, what many people comes back to is that they have some kind of, let's say, people that they have trusted, like mentors. Uh, do you consider that that uh, Ron Evans was why it was uh, a yes. kind of a person for you that filled that uh, Absolutely. place. I, I think is the only the only mentor I had uh, in my in my career. I didn't have any real mentor in Italy at all, mm. and uh, because Ron taught me uh, not only you know, techniques and the approach with the profession with the patient, but here also really uh, teach me how to behave, how to be, uh, you know, always uh, not to, uh, his typical uh, sentence is, uh, the problem is when somebody uh, start to think to have become a legend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So never somebody should think that he is a legend because uh, then uh, your brain is not working mm -hmm. anymore. So always being, uh, you know, in uh, like in a low, um, I don't know how to say in English, no, not too, too proud, not too uh, no. humble, arrogant. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I he think that, that and, and mm -hmm. it was really an example for me and, and still being still an example for me today. Mm. I remember from those early days, as you said, it's interesting. I actually share exactly the same background as you do. I was also young and uh, exposed to uh, osteointegration for obvious reasons since I was working in Gothenburg and also with Professor Bronemark. Um, and I, my interest in DBR also was caught by uh, a, a course and a lecture by Professor Sture Neumann. So oh, really, yes. Really? So uh, I, <clears throat> and then I, I went on to try to discover and, ex as you know, explore the biological principle, uh, which 
was very nice because that brought us together, uh, you and me, in the early 90s. And uh, I would say in particular in, uh, in Italy, we, we gave a lot of lectures together, me discussing the principle and you talking about the clinical development and so on, which all, for me almost made Italy, my second home country during the early nineties. Nice. It, nice. it was a lot of interest in Italy. And for me, Italy has been very critical uh, in the development of uh, guided bone regeneration. I used to joke and say, if you want to learn some new innovative techniques in GBR, you should buy a flight ticket to Italy because that's, and, and I'm, I would like to discuss with you <clears throat> what, what, what are your opinion, why, why this, I would say in the early 90s, definitely the, the refinement and the development of the clinical protocol of guided bone generation very much originated from Italy. Do we have a feeling for what is it is in the mentality that created this, uh, I would say, spirit in Italy? Yeah, I think that in that period um, there were a few peoples like, uh, for example, also uh, Carlo Tinti. Mm, exactly. And, uh, yeah. And um, and Giampaolo Vincenzi, mm. myself, and uh, and in the periodontal field, uh, uh, Cortellini. So there were, for I think for kind of a strange re uh, reason, a group of people that was very creative had a lot of uh, passion and enthusiasm for uh, guided bone regeneration or guided tissue regeneration. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that what happened was that we had, we were all friends, but we had a kind of uh, sort of competition exactly my my feeling uh, was I, I kind of relate to sports a little bit that uh, <laughs> uh, it, yeah, was, uh, yeah. it, it was it uh, was i think a very friendly atmosphere uh, among uh, yeah, this group yeah, yeah. Uh, but but in a way yes you were a little bit competitive you 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 wanted to show okay i've done this innovation and look what we can achieve exactly. with this and that so so i think it created a very positive atmosphere in, yeah what in happened Italy. was that we yeah. were you know lecturing at that time like uh, almost uh, every weekend is somewhere mm. italy mm. or in the world we were traveling like crazy as you you were always yeah. with us yeah. and yeah. what happened was that uh, in the next uh, in the next uh, um, lecture uh, in in a lecture i so, for example, oh, Carlo Tinti has regenerated two millimeters of bone more, and he's done this. So, yes. and mm. the next mm. one, uh, like copying each other, because mm. I think I was copying him, he was copying me, Sasha Jovanovich all was copying mm. us, and we were copying him. So it was a kind of a, a learning, copying each other all the time. Yeah, trying to is, get you know like uh, one or two millimeters more than <laughs> or a yes. better result yeah so that created a, a, a big development also with you danny boozer uh, and so the, the development was very very fast at that time yes that was my if i remember well from 1990 
until 1996, 95, 96. Then mm -hmm. everything, you know, calmed down because the technique was was there. Yeah. And the, the same technique is still used today from mm -hmm. uh, the younger people that are very good, yeah. but the technique is the same. The te technique is is basically the same, which basically. which is. Uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating observation that, uh, of course, we are still doing, <clears throat> trying to optimize and doing refinements and so on. Exactly. But the basic uh, protocol is still there from the, from the early exactly. mid-90s, uh, for sure. Uh, <clears throat> that, that brings us uh, to the late 90s and maybe uh, a little bit into the new decade of 2000. Um, and uh, I would like... Yeah, and you were, as you have mentioned, you were all over the place. But at this point of time, you were also introduced to what eventually was going to be the Osteology Foundation. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, those early days of, uh, of uh, the founding yeah. of the Osteology Foundation and what, what happened there? Yeah. I yeah I remember <coughs> sorry I remember the day because uh, at that time Michael Petz came to me at the university in the department in Milan and uh, told me uh, we are uh, we are creating this kind of foundation <coughs> and. Uh, and uh, the purpose of the foundation is, you know, to deliver culture and experience. And we are building up a board. And I would like you to be in the board together with, uh, if I remember well, uh, Jan Linde, Ron Nevins, Klaus Lang, uh, Fritz Neukamp, George Vacek. Uh, yeah. Mariano Sanz, uh, so mm. a group of uh, wonderful people that uh, I, I knew since a long time that we were together in the board of the EAO, the European mm. Academy yes. of Integration. Mm. So I said it would be a great pleasure to participate because, uh, and, uh, and from there, I think that from, from nothing, uh, a very important adventure uh, started because mm. uh, very, very soon and very rapidly the foundation grew and uh, we all together organized meeting all around the world and mm. there was uh, usually a great a big meeting in, uh, in Monte Carlo or in different places but uh, also in China and uh, and um, and also the foundation developed different not only meeting but different kind of uh, uh, um, projects that mm. were really uh, very important for for the the dental community and for people doing implants and perio and uh, and uh, regeneration in general. Mm. No, it's a, <clears throat> it's a amazing to see this evolution. Um, uh, and I think uh, the Osteology Foundation has to be eternally grateful for this first group of people that really had had the vision uh, and uh, and a little bit look into the future. And as we all know today, Osteology Foundation is an established uh, 
foundation with the intense activity actually on the global scale. So we're... It, yeah. it, uh, oh, I, forgot, the, I forgot Danny Boozer. Yeah, of course. <laughs> he was in the board. Yeah, yes. <laughs> he, uh, he's a friend also, and I don't want him to be offended. No, no. So uh, <clears throat> you, you have been... Um, um, extremely busy with all this of course, and you still are uh, but as i said you you are still running your what i like with you massimo is also that you 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 maintain a lot of interest outside uh, dentistry i don't really understand how you manage to find the time but uh, still you do it and we talked about uh, photo, uh, photography and filming and so on and I think if you have not done it I I would recommend you to google on um, Massimo on uh, on YouTube and you can add also crocodiles uh, because you have produced some amazing uh, films uh, some of them are among the wildest I ever seen uh, when you are swimming in Botswana I believe um, with crocodiles uh, in the river. How on earth did you get this idea, Massimo? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, you know, when I was like uh, 45, 50 years old, I had a kind of uh, reborn interest in, uh, in, in the field of filming and photography because yeah. I, yeah. At that time, I had done already a lot in dentistry. So I said, okay, I come down a little bit, just a little bit in dentistry. And I want to be more involved in that. So I did two uh, documentaries, one about Madagascar. I, they took uh, four mm -hmm. years. But, you know, just because you go there for 10, 15 days sometimes, mm -hmm. and uh, so you take a long time. Mm -hmm. and then I did another one about uh, sharks in uh, in uh, South Africa and in Baja California, you know, uh, diving uh, without cage with the great white sharks, uh, all that kind of stuff. And then I, during this kind of film, I heard that uh, there was the possibility to film uh, big crocodiles in Africa in the uh, Okavango River in Botswana, mm -hmm. but only in one period of the year, that is uh, July, because the river is uh, colder than usual. And in that, only in those precise 20, 25 days, the crocodiles are less aggressive. So yeah, they are lazy because of the cold. Yeah. Because Hopefully, we <laughs> <laughs> don't know before, but they they said that it's true. But yeah. we have to yeah. you're still sitting here, Massimo. So obviously, <laughs> it worked. Yeah. So I yeah. went there, and that that was something I wanted to do since when I was really young. And yeah. finally, I find a way to do it. And, mm. uh, and then we we stayed there for ten days and uh, uh, seeking crocodiles from the morning to the. Mm. the the evening and uh, we had a uh, good opportunity to think very close and uh, also touch and uh, grip the tail and uh, being you know uh, towed by the crocodiles so it was mm. crazy stuff mm. fantastic and uh, <clears throat> uh, I know another 
interest that I, that you have had throughout the time because that I remember when we were trying to to um, <clears throat> to schedule uh, courses and lectures and so on was that uh, well no I cannot do this week because then I'm I'm at Monza and uh, <laughs> next next uh, no not not that weekend because I'm going to spa in Belgium. You were racing cars, yeah. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Uh, is that also an old uh, interest or something that you developed over time? Yeah, that was, you know, when I was uh, really a baby, I didn't know, speak, you know, thinking about my future when I was like 10 years old, I didn't know if I would have... Uh, done uh, like a, a, a doctor, a surgeon, or a photographer of nature, or a Formula One <laughs> mm. car racer. And then I, I saw I was uh, racing go-karts when I was like a baby. Mm. And then I had to stop completely to that kind of uh, activity because my parents didn't want, it was mm. impossible. But then when I was again about uh, 40 years old, and then I started to do, to, to race uh, Porsches on the race trucks and, um, but you know, Porsche like the GT3 uh, uh, couple, which are just not, not regular cars, mm. they are built just to race mm. and then i did like uh i don't remember seven eight years of uh, mm. championship italian championship mm. it means that we were racing in on all the big italian uh, race trucks and but also in uh, spa franco champs uh, mm. for ricard uh, oh. leon uh, a lot fantastic of, uh, yeah races. and then at the end was the was very difficult because I remember one time I was uh, lecturing in uh, Las Vegas mm. because it was a big Nobel Biker meeting in Las Vegas mm. and I had a race in Paul Ricard on uh, Saturday and Sunday. So I said I, I need to talk on Thursday, no later mm. than Thursday. So I, I gave the lecture then immediately I, I run outside and there was a car taking me to the airport just on time and then <laughs> I arrived to Marseille and then I arrived to the rest track without sleeping for two days <laughs> to change my clothes, so jump on the car and and start to race and it was a little bit too difficult and uh, so but after the seventh and the eighth year we uh, together with my the body, uh, mm. Maurizio Monforti, we won the championship. Uh, oh, great. Uh, I wasn't aware of that. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Of mm. endurance. And then after that, we said, okay, that's enough. So we can yeah. stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating to hear Massimo about, I, I really, I really uh, envy and uh, I, I, your, your, skills to manage to run to have so many things uh, also outside dentistry but if we if we return for a while to uh, to, uh, to dentistry and with your uh, as you said almost 30 years of perspective here on uh, on oral tissue reanimation what um, 
where do you see us moving uh, uh, in the future, thinking about research and also when it comes to to treat patients? What what is the next area that of, that you see uh, will will emerge and develop in in our field? In um, in bone regeneration, we had uh, a period of a great enthusiasm on uh, on uh, growth factors and proteins, but uh, unfortunately, uh, for different reasons, for mainly for the costs and for uh, also uh, uh, bureaucracy, I think that period is uh, is in a kind of a sleepy situation and uh, I hope in the future we will have again the opportunity to use those uh, instruments, those, uh, those drugs. Mm. And um, in the field of uh, bone regeneration, we are like stuck with GBR with the uh, non-resorbable and resorbable membranes since uh, many, many years. Mm. What do, you, do you see that uh, they will continue to kind of uh, walk uh, hand in hand in parallel or do you think that we once eventually will move entirely to the uh, resorbable membranes or uh, how do you see the future? It depends on what the companies will be able to to give us because mm. actually uh, we can uh, regenerate the bone uh, uh, very successfully in, in an horizontal direction with the resorbable membranes, but still, at least in my experience and what I see in the literature and in other, in other lectures, is not really predictable or possible vertically. And so if we will have a, a resorbable uh, device that uh, will be able to to keep the space to, to not to collapse and to keep you know the the effect of maintaining the, the volume mm. over like a six or seven months, then we will be able to to, to go to a resorbable uh, device. Mm. By now we still have only the chance to use a no resorbable, possibly titanium reinforced mm. uh, membrane. Mm. Then there is a new trend is to use uh, uh, titanium cages, titanium mm. meshes, yeah. which uh, I have also used a, a little bit, but I was not really so enthusiastic, but uh, because I don't like titanium mesh with the, you know, ample uh, mm. pores or uh, mm. because it's a little bit uh, against uh, the concept of, uh, of uh, creating a secluded space. But I think that uh, those kind of meshes, if built in a, with a different kind of uh, uh, permeability or porosity, that could be an option because they're very easy to, to be used. You, you, you can have them performed and then you, you open you just adapt and then fix with a couple of screws the mm. structure and uh, it's much easier and uh, cut off like uh, half an hour of time in neurosurgery yeah. and so mm. that could be a future but we still have 
to to work on that. I don't yeah. think we are we are at the point. It it feels that, like uh, we still have a lot of fun things to do and to explore also in in the field of dentistry and and guided bone regeneration for sure. Um, Massimo, time's, time is running extremely fast and we could probably sit here for <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite a long time to, <clears throat> uh, to discuss things. I think those uh, remarks uh, about what we see in the future uh, is a nice summary of, again, 30 years of experience in, in, <clears throat> in dentistry and in guided bone regeneration in particular, and I hope that you who have been listening, next time you see um, Massimo on the podium, you, you will know a little bit more of him as a person as well. Massimo, thank you so much for taking your time. As always, it's been a pleasure to sit down and talk to you. Thank you very much, Massimo. Thank you, Christer. It's been a big pleasure to see you in this period that we don't see anybody. We just no. <laughs> in the screen. So yeah. big pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank Take you. care. Bye bye. bye, -bye.